Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Garneau, and this is a special bonus episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast, recorded live at this year's C2E2, or Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo, for those of you who hate acronyms. The organizers of that fine convention were kind enough to give us a spot to do our thing, and we brought along some really great friends, including members of the musical theater company Team Star Kid, Patrick Klepek from Giant Bomb, Cards Against Humanity's Trin Garitano, DC Comics Database Administrator Billy Aerosmith, and Mike Chuck Bretzliff from the wonderful Chicago Loot Drop Charity, plus the Nerdalog's own Claire Friedman. So before we get into this episode, I want to apologize for the sound quality you're about to hear. Uh, we thought the recording situation would be a little better than it was, but we definitely made the most of it. And the quality of these stories, content-wise, uh, is just too good not to share. Uh, and, and the audio turned out a lot better than it could have, to be fair. So when you hear the extra crowd noise in there, just think of it like we're putting you in the reality of the show. <laughs> Um, I've also got a few plugs to put out there. First of all, episode guest Team Star Kid have a fantastic summer season coming up at stage 773, 1225 West Belmont in Chicago. That includes both a Star Wars parody and an Oregon Trail parody done in the usual Star Kid style. You can see these starting July 3rd at one of Chicago's coolest theaters, so don't miss out. Uh, the Nerdalogs also have some cool stuff coming up. This Sunday, we're hosting a May the 4th Star Wars viewing party at the Public House Theater, but I'm pretty sure that's sold out, so I don't need to say anything else about that except good work, everybody. Uh, Sunday the 11th, we're holding a giant Magic the Gathering draft tournament to celebrate the release of Journey into Nyx. We did this for the last Magic set, and it was just a ton of fun. Plus, someone went home with a whole box of the new set, so we thought we should do it again. Tickets are $20, that includes your cards and price support, and more info is available on our website at www.nerdalogs.com. Finally, our next Your Stories recording will take place on Sunday, May 18th, with the theme Fellowship. The theme ties into our upcoming run, entitled Lord of the Wrigley, The Fellowship of the Cubs, which starts the end of the month at the Public House Theater. Uh, if any or all of this sounds good to you, you should come, maybe get on a podcast, it's a great time, and Your Stories is always free to attend. Uh, speaking of free, don't forget our other awesome podcasts, including Talking Games with Tim and Clayton, MBSing with Mary Beth Smith, and the Nerdalogcast. And with that, all I have left to say is thanks everyone for listening, and thanks again to our guests for their time and their wonderful stories on this episode. We hope you enjoy them. Hi, guys. Oh. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so you're not here to see us, I don't think. We have an incredible lineup of speakers to talk to you today. You might have seen this on Twitter. We have people from Giant Bomb. We have people from Cards Against Humanity. We have lots of really awesome people. But the first people we have is from the Nerdalogs. You saw her singing a second ago, Claire Friedman. Hi, everybody. Um, so I'm Claire. I'm a member of the Nerdalogs, and I have been for a few years now. And the story I'm going to tell... Uh, is one that starts two and a half years ago. So I was sitting in one of my favorite places, which is inside, 
but in my least favorite version of inside, which is in my very taupe office. I'm speaking as loudly as I can! Anyway, uh, so I'm going to read you this email that I got. It was titled, An Interesting Proposal, and it was from uh, Kevin Reeder, who introduced this show and is right there. <laughs> so this is the email I got from him. Hi, Claire. That's me. This might seem a little out of the blue, because, well, it is. Uh, basically, the Nerdlogs are going to New York Comic Con to do a show, and, well, we need some scabs. Only three of us can go, and we'd like a few more people to help out. And then it goes on to, you know, give me details about the convention, and he ends it with, it'd be a little bit of work, but if you're interested, we can talk more. Signed, Kev, less than three, which is how Kevin signs all professional emails. <laughs> yeah, he nods. Uh... And I wrote out a response to that email saying, uh, no, I obviously cannot do that. That's a crazy thing to do, to go with New to New York with a bunch of people I barely know. And then I deleted all of that and wrote an email that just said, sure. Uh, and I went over and talked to my boss and asked if I could have the time off. He said yes, and next thing I knew, I was on my way to my first ever convention. Now, two and a half years later, I've been to ten conventions, just about all of them with these guys. Uh, but at that very first one, I don't know if any of you have been to New York Comic Con. Imagine this, um, and that you're done. That's that's it. Uh, it looks the same as this. And uh, the best part about New York Comic Con for me was there was this room in the basement downstairs where I sat by myself for hours. Uh, and that's what I did because I got so overwhelmed. Because if you're a person who doesn't like leaving your house... And you're taken to a very crowded, loud place full of primary colors and people to trying to sell you things. Uh, I did not react well to that situation. It took about 20 minutes before I abandoned everyone I came with and was like, I can't keep track of you. I'm going off on my own. I walked around Artist Alley, then found that secret room where performers could go and sat by a bunch of Lolitas by myself. It was great. As the years have gone on, and I've done more and more of these, we've been to a lot of different conventions. Some are like this, like New York Comic Con or PAX or, or uh, C2E2. Some are like a convention that we went to called Kokomo Con. You've not heard of it. It's in Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, it was a long drive very early in the morning to get to a lot of people who had no idea who we were. It was fun, kind of. Uh, it was not as fun because at the time we were also doing midnight shows at I.O. And so I slept on Kevin's couch, the same guy who sent me that email. And we got up at 5 in the morning and drove to Kokomo, Indiana to sit in a booth all day. Other cons have been better or worse. and then, uh, But we've kept doing those and we've kept doing shows. We were doing monthly shows for a long, long time where we would write and perform a show in an entire month. And that little bit of time that Kevin quoted in that email has turned into, like, 20 or 30 hours a week of doing stuff like this. And even more than that, uh, they initially found out about me because I started coming to events like Your Stories, and that's why they asked me to come along. And then uh, we started doing more and more and more and more things until we uh, one time emailed Cards Against Humanity out of the blue and said, hey, do you want to do a show with us? And they said, yes. And we were like, oh, all right, let's do that show. And we did. And now I work for Cards Against Humanity. That's my job. That's where I go in the day. 
That's what. That's the job I'm skipping right now to be here. <laughs> is working at cards, and it's been a huge influence in my life. And every single step of the way, I've wanted to say, no, let me stay inside. Let me sit in a basement in a room by myself so I don't have to talk to anybody because there are too many bright colors and people I don't know and people talking loudly. And I haven't. Um, instead, I'm here and I'm up here at my tenth convention. Uh, still not totally used to how many people and noises there are, but you know, Godspeed. Um, but it's become a huge part of my life, and it all started just by saying "sure" to a single email that I thought was crazy. That's it. Thank you very much, Claire. Claire Freeman. Um, Claire also works for Project Smiley. She's like one of the coolest people ever. Super great singer, comedian, professional person. I love Claire. Okay, guys. Uh, this next group doesn't really need an introduction. I'm going to go ahead and give them a little one. A very Potter musical, Starship, etc. From Team Star Kid. Here's my list. <laughs> Joseph Walker. Hey, thanks, man. <clears throat> Hello. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's working. All right. Um, well, I I don't think I've ever quite done anything like this before. Um, but when I heard that there was this was being made into a podcast, I decided to just copy uh, the format that I enjoy on podcasts. So um, I'm just going to tell you a short story that is true and also written down. It was 1:30 a.m. January 18, 2014. And I had a call from my partner that I needed to take. Is the room available? He asked. He sounded pretty upset. Uh, sure. Why? Is everything alright? No. They're looking for me. They seem kinda pissed off. My heart's going crazy right now. My face is burning. I think they killed me? Which I didn't really understand. So I told him to come up to the safe room and that everything would be alright. I didn't even care about the mystery anymore. It was clear that we were in over our heads. Now, earlier that night, we had arrived in Milwaukee trying to solve a double homicide. We struck up a conversation with a young lady at the Hilton who told us she was a singer, but by the end of the night, she had told us a lot more. She leaned into us and whispered, I probably shouldn't say this, but two people died here last night. What? We perked right up, having caught the scent of wrongdoing. Uh, who died? Where were they? Who might have a reason to kill these people? What clan were they in? How did they die? She didn't know anything. But a man at the table next to us came over, sat down, having been eavesdropping, and said, very simply, they were sold exploding items at an auction of cursed merchandise last night. But I'd watch out about asking too many questions. Especially if you're not playing the game. Then he put his hand on her shoulder, and they both got up and left. What? <laughs> oh, right, the game. Of course. He was referring to One World by Night, the live-action role-playing game that everybody at that Hilton-slash-LARPing convention was playing that night. <laughs> Everyone, that is, except for us. So, we're actors, and we've been invited that night uh, to the uh, Midwinter Gaming Convention as guests, just to screen some plays, sign some posters. 
But at the spurring on of our own curiosity and a shared pint of whiskey, we decided to abandon our duties and walk into the main ballroom where we'd heard about one thing and one thing only. Vampires. <laughs> or people pretending to be vampires. And now here we were, knees deep in a murder mystery. Two vampires, or, well, characters, were dead. And, you know, I don't care if these were pretend vampires because the people who put in the love and the thought and the hours of character creation were very real. And you know what? If some asshole thinks he can go around selling lethal, cursed merchandise and get away with it on my watch, well, that asshole is sorely mistaken. I read Batman. I read Jack Reacher. It's my God-given right as an American to stick my nose into other people's business and solve their crimes for them. And you know what? The hell if we're going to be scared off just because we're pretend detectives who aren't pretend vampires. So we stood up, looked around for the most suspicious person in a ballroom full of people dressed up like they're in Blade. And our eyes landed on a guy in the corner who looked like his main goal of the whole night was to look suspicious. He was dressed like a Yakuza and had giant scars across his face. We cornered him. His name was Scar. <laughs> Are you uh, Maldavian? My partner Nico asked. Now this impressed me because Nico had clearly learned a thing or two about vampire clans from the girl. And Maldavians were a clan of suspicion. Am I a what? You heard me. I'm a... Malkavian, if that's what you're asking. What's a Maldavian? Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what I said, said Nico. <laughs> Which made me laugh into my drink. So I doubled back with more force to cover up the break in detective and vampire character. Okay, what do you know about this auction last night, I asked. I don't know anything about the auction. Oh yeah, that would make you the only person in this room, I said. I thought that was pretty badass. What's it to you? Uh, just the fact that two good vampires are dead. Again, pretty badass. Uh, so, to which Nico responded, Look, tonight two little vampires are going to be missing their mommy or daddy. This is about the children. Remember that. Which, again, made me laugh into my drink, which I think he might have picked up on. Uh, where are you guys from? He asked. Chicago, which is true. And so I, I passed. Nico said, Detroit, which is where he grew up. Scar took a look at Nico, looked at me, and walked away. He returned about 30 seconds later and said, Hey, are you guys new to this? To which we both immediately went, Oh, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, is it obvious? And apparently, uh, being from Detroit had tipped him off because any vampire from Detroit would have known that walking into that ballroom was suicidal. Scar uh, let us off the hook after informing us very nicely that unless we changed our answer, he'd have to bring over some hard-hitting characters and kill us. We took him up on his offer, and Nico changed his answer to Minnesota. At that point in the night, unfortunately, I had to leave to go find my angry, bored girlfriend, which is why I guess most fictional detectives are single or divorced. 
we decided that Nico should stay and infiltrate the Nosferatu clan of, uh, clan of vampires, who we had heard had set up a spy network that evening. We asked Scar to point out the head of the Nosferatu, and he pointed across the room to a large man in slippers and a light blue bathrobe with the hood pulled over his head. I told Nico to stay true to the case, and I left. The next time I saw Nico, he was dead. Pretend dead. <laughs> the Nosferatu had invited him down for a meeting in the sewers, slash the table by the bathroom. And they had, had officially executed him with the roll of a dice on suspicion of being a spy. On their way to taking him to the game makers, he sprinted out of their grasp, hid in a different bathroom, and called me. We never found out who killed those people or why. Thank you. All right. Thank you, dude. There you go. Joseph Walker. Man, can I, that was awesome, first of all. Can I say, it's like, I very seldom get nervous about your stories, but knowing that we were doing it with like three like serious professional singers, I was like, oh man, this is, this could be real bad. Thank you for helping us on Ghostbusters, covering our faults. Anyway. This next person is a dude I met through your stories. Great, great guy. He's here at the convention with Chicago Loot Drop, which he's going to tell you about. Mike Chuck Fresliff. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, yeah, my name is Mike Chuck, and I am with Chicago Loot Drop. We are a uh, local charity um, that seeks to unite the Chicagoland uh, nerd, geek, gamer community around uh, one cause of raising money to buy books and toys and games uh, for University of Chicago's Comer Children's Hospital. And the way we're doing that this weekend is we have a booth in the Fan Village, and we asked five kids from the hospital um, a couple questions. We asked them, if you were a superhero, what would your name be? Uh, what would you look like? What would your powers be? And how would you use that to help people? And then we gave those answers to five local comic artists, and they transformed those into these uh, one-page comic book panels. Um, the kids are all going to get uh, high-quality uh, framed prints of those, as well as some other fun prizes. And then uh, we're auctioning off the original artwork by the artists um, at the, not auction, raffling, at uh, our booth um, down in the fan village. So if you want to hear all that again... Come by the booth, and it'll almost be verbatim, because I've said it a lot, and it's only like 2 o'clock on Friday. Um, the Fan Village, in case you don't know where it's at, if you go exit out of the main show floor, and then go left, down two escalators, and then left again, there's the Grand Ballroom. You'll finally see signs for it when you get right to it, basically. Um, so come on down if you want a place that's nice and quiet. Um... Or I'm guessing most of you are here because you just saw an empty chair and you wanted to sit down for a while and then this started happening. Uh, so there are couches down there. There are um, bean bags if you don't care about lumbar support. Um, whatever you want to do, come check it out. There's also the board game area and uh, there's like a big dorkly thing going on next to us. We're all the way at the end. Come check it out. It's for a good cause. And now I get to tell like a story, I guess. Um, so we're at a comic book convention, and so I figured I would talk about a comic book, a comic book convention, but not a comic uh, convention of comics, rather a convention in comics. Clever twists I thought I did there. Uh, and that convention can be easily summarized in a battle cry that we are all familiar with, and it is Avengers Assemble. 
right? Um, so send shivers down your spine when you hear it. You love it on the cartoon. They haven't said it in the movie yet. Hopefully they will soon. Um, but here's the thing with it. They should have said it once. Realize it worked and never disassemble. Instead, they separate and reassemble so often that that has become their catchphrase. But no one ever stops to say, hey guys, this seems to work pretty well. We should do it more often. You know, like, all the time. I just go back, never mind, I'll go back over here. Um, and I bring it up because it's something we've seen before in comics for decades now, but it's come up again with all of the Marvel movies. Um, and so, you know, I get why they do it, but you could at least maybe call someone in for backup. Like in Captain America 2, Thor 2, Iron Man 3, they're always on their own. Call somebody in uh, for backup. You know, un-Avenger. Not all, but at least one. Somewhere between zero and assemble. Because <laughs> if I was an Avenger... I would call the Hulk in for anything above parking ticket. <laughs> um, you know, cat stuck in a tree, Hulk smash! Which might be overkill, but you know, at the very least you could call in Banner to kind of like, you know, boost you up the tree to get the cat. I mean, that's a good use of teamwork, I feel. Um, granted, if they did this, all the movies would be one act long and they'd have the exact same ending. It just goes, uh, Jarvis, uh, Dial Bruce. Oh, yeah, hey, Bruce, uh, are you angry? Yeah, no. I, you're angry all the time. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, yep. I, I, I know it upsets you when I call you like this. Use that. Um, so the movies at least try to explain it a bit better than I feel like the comics do. Um, in Thor 2, they're on Asgard a lot, so, all right, kind of hard to get to Asgard. Captain America 2, I won't say, because maybe you haven't seen it yet, but I feel like in this crowd, that's going to be maybe a low percentage. Um, but in Iron Man 3, like, even the Iron Patriot suggests, hey, why don't you call those guys? And Tony Stark's like, no, this is personal. It's like, okay, um, but when the president gets kidnapped, you think they would at least send in Captain America. That's not personal, that's, you know, state emergency. But maybe Captain America, Steve Rogers didn't want to, because Iron Patriot totally ripped off his color scheme. You know, maybe beat him out in Us Weekly's Who Wore It Best. But the end of the movie, and the tag after the credits, we learn that Tony Stark's narration has been to Bruce Banner the entire time. So we know he's got his number. We know Bruce Banner is an off-grid, you know, hitchhiking down the highway with some sad piano music playing. You know, it would just take, uh... Just take a second to call Bruce. Um... And, uh, yeah, this is a speech class, so I'm just going to say I have no conclusion in the end. <laughs> Come see us out in the fan village. That way, that way, that way, that way, that way, and then over there. Thank you. Thank you, Mike Chuck. We're not grading you on your speech structure. That was awesome. Um, guys, Chicago Loop Drop does fantastic work, so please check them out. I know I'm going to right after this. Okay, coming up next, I talked a little bit about Cards Against Humanity. This young lady is their events manager. Also, she, I think, knows everybody on the internet. Uh, I, I managed a comic book store, and one day I was just talking to a customer from Boston about cards, and he mentioned, oh, I'm friends with someone in the office online. Obviously, it could only be Miss Trin Garitano. 
I've been drinking, that's not a mistake at all. I'm sorry, but my story is kind of a bummer. So I got the the theme of conventionally speaking, and I thought, did I want to talk about conventions or speaking? And I went with speaking, and I want to talk about the first time I ever spoke out loud on World of Warcraft. <laughs> so I I played um, games solo my whole life. Like I started out on like my Apple II, and I graduated my compact when I was like ten, and then you know PC rigs from there and there and there. And never in my life did I ever want to game with another human being. Why would you do that? You're a gamer. You're doing that because you don't want to talk to people. But then my brother introduced me to World of Warcraft uh, as a way to kind of keep in touch when he went to college. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's do this. And suddenly I was in this freaking magical world where there's millions of nerds everywhere. Everywhere. Like doing magic and having swords. And there were real people. And I just wanted to do friendship at them so Badly. I was like, you're going to be my friend, and you're going to be my friend, and we're going to be friends forever. And it did not work out that way, like, even a little bit. Because <laughs> there's this thing that people do to you when you, they meet you and they say ASL, which is something that happened way back in the day, like 10 years ago when I was playing World of Warcraft, but you have to answer the S, which means sex, which means I'm a woman, now you're doing winky faces at me suddenly. This is real strange. <laughs> So I decided instead to have an alter ego, and every time somebody asked me what my name was, I said I was Eddie from Akron, Ohio, a place I've never been. I don't know anybody named Eddie, but I did have a girlfriend named Samantha who thought I just spent way too much time playing World of Warcraft. She just wouldn't get off my back about it. Um, that part was actually partially true, because I had a cool boyfriend in a band named Sam who would make fun of me every time I played. So I, I kind of felt Eddie there. Um, but I really got into character. Like, people would see me in the inn and be like, Yo, Eddie, what's up, bro? I'm like, not much, bro. What's going on? You want to run something? Let's do this, you know? It was not really very me, but it worked out really well. Until, and I think a lot of people who play MMOs feel me on this, if you want to do a complex dungeon, you have to start talking with your voice. You have to get on Ventrilo and you have to talk to people. And when Naxxramas was a thing, and it was a thing at one point, I promise you, like seven years ago, um, we were on the hardest boss. I was running a pickup group with this 10-man uh, dungeon people. And uh, they're like, okay, dude, dude, it's time. Dude, dude, you gotta get on your mic. We gotta talk to you. Like, this is it's complex. Now let's go. So I get on the mic, and I'm like taking deep breaths. I'm like breathing into a bag. I'm like, this is not gonna go well. And I'm like, hey guys. <laughs> 20 seconds of silence. Like at least 20 seconds. <laughs> and then they just laughed. For like, I want to say it was 20 minutes, but it was probably more like one and a half or two. And I was like, this is not going to work, this is not going to work, this is not going to work. It was like that moment in the Mighty Ducks when the cool like girl player takes off her helmet and her hair is like flowing back. And it's like, a woman, wow, you know? Uh, but yeah, then, then they were real mean. <laughs> they were real mean for a real long time. And uh, I actually pulled one of them aside and I was like, hey dude, like, I need you to back me up, like, they can't keep making fun of me because I'm a girl and it sucks. And he's like, well, why don't you stop talking? Because every time you talk, it reminds them that you're a girl. He's like, no, bro. And so I quit World of Warcraft forever. 
Except it didn't happen because when you quit World of Warcraft forever, that doesn't work. You come back. It is a poison in your blood forever. You get the shakes. You want to get that loot. So I came back, and I came back after I discovered college feminism, which is like such a watershed moment in a young woman's life. And for every, and I was told I couldn't swear, so for every F I could not give, I got better at that game. I could not give a flying F. I could not give a walking nor a crawling F about anybody and anything that anybody said. <laughs> to the point where the top guild in our server asked me to audition. And I did. And that day that I ran with them, I found out where all the women on my server were. <laughs> the guild leader was a woman. The top DPS was a woman. And the top healer was also a woman. Thank you so much. For younger ears, F means fun. <laughs> Our next speaker, also from Team Starkid. Uh, this gentleman also has a web series that he thinks you would all enjoy, and I'm sure that is true, at GameBrosWebSeries.com. That is GameBros, the opposite, or actually the people Trin just talked about. This is Daniel Strauss. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I've got to uh, keep this quick because I just found out Mick Foley is here. Uh, and I need to go cry in his arms and tell him about how watching him fall off the Hell in a Cell changed my life forever, but uh, I'll get to that eventually. Um, this is actually, this is crazy, but this is the first Comic-Con I've ever been to uh, in my life, uh, which is nuts because I, I love comic books, you know, I, I love superheroes. Really, I just love being around so many people who are so mad at Ben Affleck. Um, <laughs> You know, for something we haven't even seen him do yet, but it, it's, it's it's palpable, so it's uh, it's really nice to be around that. Um, I think that two things that really go hand in hand are uh, comic books and video games. Does anybody here play video games? Okay, I, I figured that was pretty safe. It's kind of safe. It's kind of like getting on stage at a, like a Brody convention and being like, "Does anyone feel like we're not well represented in the media?" Yes. Okay. okay. Yes, we all feel yes safe. So. I figured that was safe. Uh, anyway, so I, I love video games, but the, the truth is I was not allowed to have uh, a video game system uh, until my bar mitzvah. Uh, now, if, if you're not familiar with a bar mitzvah, that's when Jewish parents torture their 13-year-old child uh, by having him get on stage and sing in a language he can barely speak or read in front of everyone he's ever known. So it's, it's a fairly traumatic experience, and it explains a lot about why I am the way I am. But uh, the, the great thing about it is you get a lot of presents, and uh, I got a PS1, the uh, the first PlayStation, which was, uh, yeah, woo, the first PlayStation. Yeah, we're on the fourth one now, but it was a thing. Um, and the first game that I got uh, for, for that PlayStation was called Courier Crisis. Does anyone remember Courier Crisis? Okay, again, a safe bet that no one would remember Courier Crisis. Courier Crisis was a game uh, that let you finally step into the exciting role of uh, bicycle parcel delivery. Um, you would pick up a package, and then you would have to take your bike and uh, and take it to the person who needed it. It was kind of like Crazy Taxi, except it sucked. Um, I think my, my aunt got it for me because it was the only game she could find with an E rating on it. But, like... The funny thing about Courier Crisis was that the way that the levels got harder is you just had to bike through worse and worse neighborhoods. Like, 
you started off just like downtown San Francisco. I was like, oh, this is beautiful. And then by like level four, you like, there's dogs chasing you. You're biking by abandoned buildings. You can hear gunshots in the distance. Uh, it's, it's surprising that the franchise didn't go any further. Um, but uh, a little bit after I got my PlayStation, I got a game that would uh, actually change my life quite a bit. And, and that game was Final Fantasy VII. Uh, if anyone here played Final Fantasy VII, that remains my, my favorite game. Um, now, in my house, you could only play video games on weekends. Uh, and, and my parents weren't horribly strict or anything, but, you know, they wanted to protect me from poisoning my eyes with screens 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like I do now that I'm a grown-up. So they, uh, they, they protected me for a little while. But uh, so, so Friday night was always Final Fantasy VII night. While everybody else was going out and partying and doing terrible things to their body, I was in my basement just posting up in front of this television set from, like, 1983. And, and this is 97, so my folks had a chance to update. I don't even... I'm not entirely sure how the PlayStation was able to connect with this television. It was that old. But uh, I would just sit down there just just falling more and more in love with the game. Um, now, Final Fantasy VII was the first RPG that I ever played. So because of... Like I said, I wasn't able to get a system until I was 13. So because of that, I had to learn everything about how a Final Fantasy game works from the ground up. Like, you know, what is... A, how do you level up? Uh, what is, how do limit breaks work? What is a sword? You know, these are all things that I had to learn through playing the game. So as I was playing the game, I got to the first dungeon, the first Mako reactor, and two of my characters died in battle. Their HP hit zero. And I was just like, man, that is so lame. Like, they're done. I, I can't bring them back. They, these potions I'm throwing at them aren't doing anything. I'm just wasting potions. I guess that's it. These guys are dead, and they just don't come back. And that's how it works. Now, I did have about five or six Phoenix Downs in my possession, but there is no way that just on a guess I would be like, what do you think brings a character back to life? Probably a Phoenix Down. A potion gives you more life. Okay, a high potion... A, a little more life points. A soft cures petrified. A phoenix down brings a kid. What was wrong with life juice? <laughs> Resurrection sauce? Was that taken? Get up and go glug? None of these things were, were available? I, I mean, phoenix down is what they should have called the third X-Men movie. <laughs> that thing was brutal. They dragged that character down. I, uh, can I just say one thing about that? This is a tangent. Anybody remember when Cyclops dies off screen in that movie? And like nobody cares until like a half hour later when Wolverine is like, hey, wait, we're psych. It's like, yeah, yeah. Where's the guy who leads our team? It's not like some schlub like disappeared, just like wandered up. Oh, it's just one of the students. He can uh, turn his finger into a stick. Like, no, it's like <laughs> the leader of the X-Men just like wandered off and never came back. And everyone's like, it's chill. Because <laughs> people hate Cyclops. Why does everybody hate Cyclops? Like, I get it. He's done a few bad things lately. But like, to me, Joss Whedon is like the only guy out there who still writes Cyclops. And he wrote him like a bad mother. <laughs> Uh, and that astonishing line, so I love that. I'm a big Cyclops fan, so everybody can send me hate mail for that. Uh, anyway, getting back to, to the topic, which I've completely strayed from, it took me six full months to beat Final Fantasy VII, which is admittedly pathetic. I was 
playing every weekend and sometimes on Thursdays if my parents weren't around. But uh, you know, I learned the importance of sticking to it. Uh, I learned the importance of, of working hard at something. Uh, I learned to become extremely invested in the mating procedures of fictional birds. <laughs> Far more invested than anyone should be about making sure the right two birds hump each other. Um, but what I really learned, uh, if I have to take one thing away, is that there's no reason to pour hours of your life into making sure that all of your characters get their level 4 limit break before the end of this one. Because one of them will probably die. And even a phoenix down will not bring her back. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much, Daniel. I, I think Cyclops is okay. I think Edward Baker wrote a pretty solid Cyclops myself. Also, Final Fantasy VI is my first RPG love. It's still my favorite. But seven is pretty sweet. All right, I actually have a, a written introduction for this next fella. Uh, this gentleman lives in New York City. He runs the DC Comics database, the largest online resource for DC Comics. He drove 12 hours to be here with Wikia, and he can be seen in the Q Wizards panel tonight at 7.30. His favorite superhero is Aquaman. He used to work as a mall, at a mall as Santa Claus, and he just started using OkCupid okay again, Billy Aerosmith. What? That famous celebrity editor from the DC Comics database. I recognize him from his famous, famous edits to obscure Hawkman villains. Uh, all right. Uh, nice to see you guys all here. My favorite thing about conventions is easily the costumes. Uh, there's this old cliche that... Um, I'm like, I'm a big Halloween guy for the same reason. There's an old cliche that people love Halloween. Uh, half of them love it because they get a chance to dress up as somebody else, and the other half love it because they get a chance to dress up as who they really are. And I don't know if that's exactly true, but at the very least, like, you get to be an aspect of yourself that you don't normally get to explore. Um, I love comic book characters, and as a fat guy, there are, like, no options for people I can dress up as. I've got, like, Bouncing Boy from the Legion of Superheroes, the Blob, which is a tank top, uh, the Blimp from the Inferior Five, and Amanda Waller if I go in drag and blackface. Even now, New 52, can't do that anymore. Thanks a lot. Um, so, one year I was trying to think of things I could go as, and one of my friends jokingly suggested that I go as the Kool-Aid Man for Halloween. This was my freshman year, and immediately that was, like, the best idea that I had ever heard. Uh, but the Kool-Aid Man, that, like, that wasn't enough of a costume for me. Because he doesn't have a lot of weird... He doesn't have a lot of characterization. He seems like kind of a... Like, what is the Kool-Aid Man's motivation? Uh, who, where is he coming from? Who is this person? Uh, and so I decided to instead do an evil version of the Kool-Aid Man from a parallel universe, which is very, very similar. Even still smile, just angry eyes. And I made my best friend cover me head to toe in red body paint. Uh, and it, like already, like that's, that's already like kind of a funny thing that I could go to college parties and be like, yeah, I'm the evil version of the Kool-Aid Man. Here's like 
Jonestown Kool-Aid, but that wasn't enough for me because I'm a weird theater guy. So I spent like an hour alone in my bathroom, staring into a mirror, looking into the dark recesses of my soul, uh, and like, who is like finding the evil Kool-Aid man inside myself? And the person that I came out with was terrifying. It was like, I, I made this raspy voice. It wasn't, uh, it was, oh yeah! Uh, and the way that they celebrate Halloween with uh, freshman dorms in my college is everybody goes trick-or-treating for shots, which means that all of the freshman dorms, everybody left their door open a crack. So I got to spend the entire night busting into people's roofs. Oh yeah! Kool-Aid! And then running out again and never explaining myself to these complete and total strangers. Um, <clears throat> there was one point uh, I was walking, and it, it was like freezing cold out, and I had left my friends, and I was walking alone uh, through the campus courtyard, and I saw a guy sitting alone on a bench smoking a cigarette, and he looked really sad, and he's just sitting there, <clears throat> and I made eye contact with him from like 50 yards away. And I decided to walk over to him. I stopped, wasn't looking at him, just walked right at me in a beeline, uh, <clears throat> sat down next to him. And the whole time, like, clearly he was confused and he could tell that I was doing this because he was there. But he wasn't sure, like, what to say to me. So we're just sitting in silence next to each other on the bench for, like, 20 seconds. And then he turns to me and he goes, uh, hey, man, uh, how's your night going? And I turn back to him and I go, Kool-Aid! And then I just got up and walked away. Um, and I ended up, I had an amazing night. Uh, I won the costume contest. Like, I, I burst into the room where they were like, I'm just trying to go straight so I can see my kids again. Um, <clears throat> it actually, it got like really out of control because it started out like funny, joking, things like that. And then people would come up and talk to me like, oh, hey, like Kool-Aid man, can I get your picture? And I'd be like, I'm going to tear your lungs out and wear them like a vest. I will rip out your spine and use it as a coat rack. Uh, and so, like, I, like, I won the costume contest, and my acceptance speech was like, I'm gonna kill your mom, I'm gonna steal your face, I'm gonna poop in your stomach. Uh, it's like, just terrible things. Um, and it, like, this was easily the best Halloween of my life. Uh, <clears throat> my theory is, People talk about Halloween is supposed to be the scary holiday, but it's not. It's the least scary holiday because everybody is expecting to be scared. Like, you see a guy walking down the street with, like, a really elaborate Balrog costume. That's not scary because that's a grown man who spent hours making a really elaborate Balrog costume. I'm not afraid of that guy. <coughs> What's really scary, and I figured this out, it's either, like, Costumes where you maybe could possibly be mentally ill or costumes where you look like a serial killer using Halloween as a cover. So like, <clears throat> that's like, like a court of owls faceless mask in a hoodie in a bad neighborhood. Me standing on a corner just straight, like making eye contact to people for an hour. That's terrifying. Um, but it, uh, <clears throat> 
it ended up so that was like one of the like darkest weirdest angriest nights of my life and it took hours afterwards for my friends to they had to like deprogram me where days after i kept slipping back into the evil kool-aid man i couldn't escape it um but i actually uh the guy who had been sitting on the bench and was smoking came up to me the next day and I was in, like, a really bad mood because I had to pay several hundred dollars in property damage for smearing red paint all across the campus. <clears throat> and he came up to me in the bathroom and he said, oh, my God, you're the Kool-Aid man. I, like, I was in such a, I was in such a dark place last night. I've never felt that low in my entire life. And you... Uh, you like, you brought me out of it. I don't know what I was gonna do. I feel like I was gonna hurt myself. But thank you so much. I feel like you saved me. Which is like insane. That's ridiculous. Um, but it made me think that, I, I like, this is the fun thing about superheroes and costumes. Uh, when you create an idea that's bigger than yourself and try to live as it, um, is that like maybe even the worst possible superhero can sometimes do a little bit of good. And that made me happy. That's my story. Hey guys, thank you, thank you very much, Billy. That was fantastic. Sorry, we only have time for one more speaker. We're trying to assess this out right now. We're going to have two. Uh, they're going to cut our audio in five minutes, so I apologize for that. Give us one second, and we will have your next speaker. I will introduce him as soon as I know who he is. All right. The next gentleman speaking was described to me by a coworker as someone who is working harder to make the internet better every day. He is the source of news for Giant Bomb and a great dude, Mr. Patrick Klepek. Hello. They're going to cut my mic off in three minutes, so I'm going to try and go through this story a little faster. When I was trying to think about a story that I could tell, uh, I wondered, should I tell the story about how I waited ten minutes in line at a fan convention? Uh, to go number one when I realized after about ten minutes I was in a very long line for everyone to go number two. Um, and I decided the story I actually wanted to tell was a story about my parents, and more specifically it's about my dad. Um, it's the time about a guy who normally said no decided to say yes. Uh, my dad didn't say no all the time because he was a jerk. He was just kind of stubborn and didn't know how to tell you that he was trying to protect you by saying no. And I've been attending video game conventions since I was 13 years old. Uh, the first one I went to is when I went to the Electronic Entertainment Expo in Atlanta, Georgia. And for the rest of the story, we'll call that E3. But it's not like PAX or Comic-Con or C2E2 where you pay money and you get a badge. This is supposed to be some sort of professional thing where people show up and they're doing professional work. Not 13-year-olds like myself who show up working for a website called Gamers Online with a Z. Which in 1998, I assure you, Z was cool and it was fine that we had it in the name. Uh... In high school, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I knew that I liked Weezer a lot, uh, but I don't think you could go to college to major in uh, studying Pinkerton as an album. Um, so I, ha I played a lot of video games, though, and I had one essay that got picked when I was in fifth grade about the don't do drugs that I got to read in front of everyone. So maybe I had something I could do with writing. And at some point, a teacher asked me if I'd ever considered doing writing, and I said no. But they said, hey, journalism's a way that you can get paid to write. And I said, well, I've written for this website, Gamers with a Z. Maybe that's something that I could do. Uh, and then they also told me that all the journalism classes only have women in them, so I signed up immediately. 
it was in this moment that my my life kind of snowballed, and it's gotten me to the point where I am, where I've had a very rewarding and successful career writing about video games for a living. And, and the only reason I got to do that was because someone uh, said yes who normally says no. I don't remember how I pitched to my parents at 13 years old I wanted to go to Atlanta for a convention, uh, because to them this is probably how the pitch sounded. Hey, Mom and Dad, I'm a 13-year-old who wants to travel to Atlanta and hang out with a bunch of older men I met on the Internet. In a retrospect, I don't think I would have allowed my son to do that, so maybe my parents are terribly irresponsible, but they let me go anyway. And the truth is that my parents were just excited that their son, who was mostly interested in Final Fantasy and chocolate chip pancakes, decided he wanted to do something and go to a convention, so they went with me. My dad made a work trip out of it. So I registered at Underage Press, and I had a few appointments with video game companies. And understandably, my dad wanted to walk around with me and go to these appointments. And I suddenly realized, I tried to imagine what these companies were thinking, which is that they had booked time to go with this hot new video game website called Gamers Online with a Z, which they knew was cool because it had a Z. And instead, a 13-year-old shows up with his slightly overweight dad that hasn't played anything since Tech Mobile. So these companies are showing off their games to this 13-year-old while this old man naps in the background. And I don't know if he was napping, but I'm pretty sure he was napping because that's what he did a lot. And the last appointment I had was with this uh, Castlevania video game. And I got too nervous. I was supposed to interview the Japanese game developers. I had 10 pages of questions in line with me. And I went up to the line. I chickened out. I went back to my dad and I said, oh, they canceled the appointment for some reason. Um, yeah. And he said... Uh, I went back and I told him it was canceled, and he knew I was lying, but he was kind of proud of me anyway. And my parents probably should have laughed at when I pitched them on going to a convention, uh, but they didn't. And it was the first time that my dad, who normally said no, said yes. And so I got to go, and I got to make a crew out of it because he said yes. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Sorry about the timing, guys. Thank you so much for coming. This is wonderful. Uh, yeah, come to see our shows, uh, nerdlogs.com for our podcast. This should be out Thursday. You all rock. Have a great rest of the show. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all, thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.